Today we're in a series here and we're walking through uh, the understanding of salvation. Just three weeks on it we're spending, and so last week was, how can I be saved? What does it even mean to be saved? And man, if you weren't here, make sure you catch up with that, get back and listen to that sermon, and uh, just catch the detail as we walked through Romans chapter 3 and a few other passages related to it there. And man, God has a plan. He knows exactly what he's doing. And make sure you're in alignment with what God says, not what the world says, right? The world is like, hey, here's the thought. Just give it a really good shot. Or or here's another shot. Just try to work hard. And if your good works outweigh your bad, well, then you're probably okay. And like, that's the world's view. Everybody say, that's a terrible plan. Okay, that is a terrible plan. And God gives us high clarity on what it looks like. We must recognize that we are in dire need of a Savior. We are not perfect. That one's pretty easy. If you don't have that one down, just ask your family member or your friend. Dude, do I have it all down, right? You'll have a pretty clear answer coming back at you fast on that one, right? We are not perfect. We are in dire need. And in fact, far off of not perfect, we are so missing the glory of God that he decided to use analogies like basically airball, talking about an archery term where you miss the complete target. We haven't even come close. We so don't measure up. And the law is there for one purpose, to make clear where our sin is. It's to reveal that we need a savior. We are in need. That's the first part. And second, God has a solution. He is gonna bring hope into our lives. He offers up salvation, his sacrifice on the cross, his blood for me. The big words from last week, if you remember this, propitiation, he paid the payment for us. Replacement payment, that's all it means. And expiation, he takes the sin away. And so we have propitiation, expiation, Christ doing this work, covering our sin, taking it away for all of eternity. He has a plan. And who does he give that to? To those who believe in him. Believe that he has risen from the dead. Confess him as Lord. And that's saved. And all of God's people said, Man, make sure you've got that anchored. Make sure you know what that is. Make sure that's where you stand with your God. Get back to last week and check that. Walk through that service as well and make sure you know the passage there. So the question we're dealing with today is, great, so let's say I am saved. So can I lose that salvation? Is it that I'm saved and then not and then saved and then not and then saved and then not? Or is it saved and then moving forward with him secure in that? And uh, we're going to look at a passage today to make that crystal clear, all right? So turn with me, if you will, to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8, starting in verse 31. And uh, can I lose my salvation? Uh, The first point, uh, no. Is that clear enough? Okay, no. Confidently stand with your providing, interceding king who can not be defeated. Confidently stand with your providing, interceding king who can not be defeated. Can I lose my salvation? And the answer is no. Okay. Salvation is something done by God Almighty and the work he begins, he will follow through on. And so let's just kind of dive into the passage here and uh, learn a little bit from what he says, starting in verse 31. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all 
things. Okay? And so he starts out, what then shall we say to these things? What things? What's he talking about? Make sure whenever you're diving into a passage that you understand the context and you know where he's coming from. That's the passage before it is defining this. And so we see the word these things. Let's make sure we understand what he's talking about. He's talking about those words in verses 29 and 30 right before it where he says that whom God foreknew he also predestined and whom he predestined he called. Whom he called he justified and whom he justified he glorified. Okay, he's got this string of verbs together there where God is doing the action. And uh, who's doing the action? Okay, and he's like, just so we're super clear, God's got some work that he's doing in this world and in our broken lives. And it starts with foreknowing and then predestining and then calling and justifying and glorifying. This is often called the golden chain, the golden chain. Why? Well, because here's what it doesn't say. Everybody say doesn't. Here's what it doesn't say. It doesn't say, well, most of the people he foreknew he predestined. Most of them. Not all of them, but some of them. It doesn't say that. It says, those whom he foreknew he predestined. Those he predestined he called. Those he called he justified. And those he justified he glorified. Handing across 100% to the next level all the way up to glorified. Eternity. Perfection with him. Okay? Huge deal. And uh, just so you know, Ephesians chapter 1 talks about this foreknowing, this predestining, and says, before the foundations of the world, he knew you, he predestined you, he called you. Man, God at work in, your, in our lives. That's a huge deal. We have to understand God at work from eternity past. Check this in verses 29 and 30. We see the sovereignty of God massively invested into salvation. Super important that we grasp that. And he's like, what shall we say to these things? To the fact that God is deeply invested into salvation and 100% moving us along a path. And for those he foreknew, it leads all the way to glorified. Okay, huge deal. It says, what shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? And just so you know, the correct answer to that is no one, right? If God is for us, who can be against us? And the answer is, all right? Now, the reality is, you're like, well, I don't know. If I, if I take a position against uh, people in this world and I stand for Christ, maybe I do have someone against me. And so maybe the real full answer is no one of any consequence, Right? There might be someone that tries to stand up against, but I'm telling you this, God wins the end. And all of God's people said, that's a huge deal. Who can stand against us? Uh, Maybe another answer here is, I don't care who thinks about it. They'll never get it done, right? And God's got this in hand. And uh, who can stand against us if we're standing with our king? No one of any consequence. My God's got it in hand. He's like, I'm just telling you the sovereign God of the universe, he began from before the foundations of the world and he carries it all the way through. God knows exactly what he's doing. It says, he who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? He who did not spare his son, he sent Jesus into this world with a plan and God the Father in his justice demanding payment for our sin. God the Father standing in that position and God the Son coming in and paying for us. Him for me. 
And God did not spare his own son. He sent him for you and for me. Hope. We have hope. And that's all what last week was about as we looked at man's responsibility. Our response to that as we believe and as we confess him as Lord. And we've talked about this before. Super helpful to understand when you're talking about salvation. Picture a giant pulley up in the sky. Okay, you got that? Big giant pulley. We throw a rope over it. Now there's a rope that's attached to the pulley up over the top and we've got both sides of it, right? And the one side, man's responsibility. And we looked thoroughly at that last week as we walked through that we must believe, we must confess him as Lord. There is a call of our response to him, okay? And man's responsibility. On the other side though, is God's sovereignty. Him invested in and having a say and making some impact that will last for all of eternity. And God's sovereignty and man's responsibility, two sides to the same conversation of salvation, okay? And if you make it all about man's responsibility, I'm telling you, it gets pretty tenuous. All of a sudden we're like, well, I don't know. Maybe I changed my mind. Maybe I'm in and out. Maybe I'm this. Maybe I'm that. And all of a sudden our weaknesses make our salvation so wobbly. And uh, man, if it's all about man's responsibility in your mind, start to open it up to God's sovereignty. Him fully invested in and the work he begins to do, he will complete. And all of God's people said, okay? And if you're like, I don't know if I totally understand how that comes together, join the club right? Man, that's super complicated along the way. And yes, we have responsibility. And yes, God is sovereign in it. And know this, never do we lose God's sovereignty and never should we lose our call and our responsibility. Both together playing it out, may God be given the greater glory. And all of God's people said, that's a huge deal, okay? And so here we have the statement, God giving for us his son. And if he's going to do that with high, high cost, Would he not have a plan to follow it through? Would he not also give graciously all things? He's like pouring into our life on so many fronts for all of eternity. I'm telling you, God knows what he's doing. God has an eternal, sovereign plan, and he gives us all things. I just wrote this down. Uh, Security and sovereignty are biblically connected. Security and sovereignty are biblically connected. And uh, our salvation is secure because our God has it in hand. Are you hearing me? Eternal security and God's sovereignty are connected biblically. And because we have a God who has it in hand, we can have eternal security. We can have an assurance of what he's doing in our lives. We are secure in this salvation along the way. He says, um, now he's got a few questions here. And he's like, who shall bring any charge against God's elect? And uh, who shall bring any charge against God's elect? He actually has three questions in a row and all of them sort of allude to a courtroom, okay? And uh, this is really the accuser. Uh, Is there an accuser that could legitimately point at us? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? And the answer here when he's asking the question is, no one, right? And so the answer, say that louder. The answer is, okay. And so who shall bring any charge against God's elect? Answer, man, don't forget it. There is no one who can stand up and point a finger. This is handled. And notice the answer of why. 
Who shall bring anything, any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Our solution and our security is always in our Savior. It is God doing the declaring of justification. And when he has called us and then justified us, and he said, this one will be made righteous. Know this, he guarantees that work to the end. Praise be to God. And to salvation, it is God at work and there is no finger pointing that can come from any accuser. There is none of any consequence. And a second question, who is to condemn? Who is to condemn? This is like the jury and the decision of guilty or not guilty. And uh, who is to condemn? And, and uh, answer, right? There is no one who is going to be able to stand up and condemn and notice who stands on the opposite side. Christ Jesus is the one who died. Again, our hope is in our God. Security comes as you look at salvation in light of the work of God. And he's like, hear me on this. Uh, Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, the one who was raised, who is at the right hand of God. Jesus Christ, he came to this earth fully God, fully man. He died on the cross, his blood shed for you and for me. He rose again from the dead. He has now conquered death. He has conquered sin. Praise be to God for that. He then is ascended up into the heavens and it says here, he sits at the right hand of the Father, meaning right hand, his judging hand. He sits down, meaning the work is done. And Jesus Christ seated. I have accomplished what needs to be accomplished. He is your king, seated next to the Father. Work done. And there is no condemnation that can come in the midst of that. Romans 8, 1, super clear. There is therefore now no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. Praise God for that. There is hope. There is coverage. It is Jesus Christ covering my sins, past, present, and future, and taking them away. Man, if you missed last week, make sure you get back and hear that sermon as we talked through the work of coverage and the work of taking away making sure that we have hope in Jesus Christ. He's like, who can condemn? Well, I'm just telling you this. It is Christ Jesus who's doing the justifying and he's doing the work of raising. He's seated at the right hand of the Father. It says, who indeed is interceding for us. Did you know that? That Jesus Christ on a regular basis for you is interceding. He's standing in on your behalf. And we don't know what all this means, but it appears that it's something along these lines. It's something about there is an attack against your name. It appears that Satan having a say, like, did you see that one? Did you see the sin they just had? You call that one saved? Look at their behavior. Look at what's going on. And Jesus Christ in the midst standing up and saying, that one is covered. My blood has covered their sin. That one is my brother, saved. Man, that's for you. That is our hope. Jesus Christ, as he has us in hand, we all know this. We're human beings, we get this, right? Saved does not mean perfect, but saved does mean on a journey where God is transforming us one degree of glory at a time. Saved does mean going on a journey where God is changing our hearts and shaping us and conforming us to the image of his son. 
Saved does not mean I did or said some magical little word years and years ago. Nothing has ever happened in my life. I really couldn't care less what God thinks. I don't want any of that. Just give me the blessings. That's not saved. But trusting and believing in Jesus Christ, confessing him as Lord, letting him take over, change occurring in your life, not perfection, but God moving you along a path towards that and eventually and eternally being with him in perfection, all of it being his work in my soul that's saved. And God doing that work in our lives with guarantee and with promise. Jesus Christ, he intercedes on your behalf. And the third question, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? And man, I'm telling you, this is the statement of judge. Who declares out that's it, separate us from God's love? And the answer is no one. No one has the privilege or the right to separate us. God is love. And man, as we are saved, we have hope in him. It says, shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger, or sword. Uh, that's quite the list, huh? And just so you know, that list is getting worse and worse as you move through each word, right? It starts out and it's like tribulation, you know, those little problems, and distress where it starts to really get to bother you and it just keeps going up. And he's like, does any of that separate us from the love of God? And the answer is, do you believe that? Do you live that way? How often do we look at the tribulation and the trials in our life and we begin to say, God, where are you? God, don't you love me? God, what's going on with? And uh, man, be careful. Know this. God is love and nothing will separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing. And none of the trials and struggles of this world will separate us from his love. Nothing. Thing. We have hope in him. We have life in him. Jesus Christ, he has conquered. He gives us eternal hope. Praise be to God. Man, I'm telling you, this list isn't even worth really talking about. Uh, the struggles and the pains of life, no, they cannot separate us from the love of God. And then he says, as it is written, Psalm 44, verse 22 here. For your sake, we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep for the slaughter. This is Israel quoting this out as they were talking to God and they were crying out for a connected, continuing relationship with him. And they're like, we recognize we are sheep for the slaughter, but for your sake, we will struggle. Lord, may you get the glory. And are you hearing this, man? And I'm just telling you, I've said this a number of times, but if you are turning on the TV or the radio or some podcast and you are hearing some guy say, come to Jesus, you'll have no more struggle. Dude, turn that off. You hearing me? Shut that down. That is not even close to biblical. That isn't what we're seeing here. We're seeing that in the midst of this struggle, we are not separated from his love. We are seeing that in the midst of being with him, our God has it in hand. He walks us through a lot of the struggles. Sometimes he walks us around them. Oftentimes he walks us through them. And all of God's people said, right? And so trials and struggles and, man, I'm just telling you, they do not separate us from the love of God. We have hope in him.
How can we be sure that whom he foreknew, he predestined, he called, he justified, he glorified? Because there is no one who can accuse. There is no one who can condemn. And there is no one who can separate us from the love of God. Nothing can do that. Praise be to God. Security is directly tied to God's sovereignty. And our hope lies in him, not in ourselves. And uh, I just wrote this word down. Man, when we start to look at the circumstances around us, we can get distracted pretty fast. So we are not to find our security in good circumstances. We are to find our security in our good king. We are not to find security in our good circumstances. We are to find security in our good king. The goodness of Jesus Christ, the goodness of God Almighty, security lies there. We are not looking for security in the goodness of our circumstances. Just letting that settle for a moment. We're not looking for security in the goodness of our circumstances. And all of God's people said, yeah, that was a weak one, right? And all of God's people said, right? And the circumstances are nothing but where the journey is going through. We stand with the love of our God. That's our hope. You know, uh, a number of years back, we were up in Naperville um, living up there, and uh, my daughter was out rollerblading, my younger daughter, Alyssa, and she had one of those accidents, you know, where you go off the back end of the blades and you fall backwards and you kind of catch yourself with your wrists and whatever, and she hit hard on a wrist and an elbow, and, and uh, it really hurt her. She was crying pretty hard. And uh, we, being the good parents that we were, um, said, you're going to be fine. And uh, I know it hurts, on, but, right? And so we just kind of had her tough it out. As it turned out, it was getting worse and worse over the next hour or two. And we finally went, maybe, maybe we're wrong. Let's take her in. And so we took her into the ER. As it turned out, uh, she had broken her elbow. And uh, yeah, that's not a fun moment, right? But she's just this little girl, and we're like, just tough it out. You're going to be fine. And so she's trying, and it's just not working, and the tears are coming, and we finally get to the hospital, and now she's a bit intimidated, and it's stiffened up, and it hurts like crazy. And they're like, we need to take x-rays. The moment where they kind of stretch out the broken and lay it down. Can you imagine? Like, and she's like, no. Like, I don't want to do this, right? And we couldn't help her get to do it. So Jana ended up going in with her to the x-ray room and uh, sitting down on a chair with, putting her in her lap, putting her arms around her, holding her there and saying, I'm here with you and I love you. But we're going to need to stretch your arm out, hon. This is what's going to need to happen. And they ended up stretching out and taking those x-rays, Alyssa with tears, but leaning into the love of her mom. I'm telling you, in the midst of the struggle, she was not separated from the love of Jana. She was not. How much more with our God? His love has you enveloped and encompassed. He is protecting you and caring for you and walking you on a journey. And there are things he's going to walk through with you where he knows what's going on. Trust him. Count on him. Lean into him. 
There is nothing that can separate us from the love of Jesus Christ. And all of God's people said, so what are you struggling with? What is your distress? What is your tribulation? What is your heartache that has your eyes looking down, taking them off of God and feeling like he's distant? It's time. It's time to put that pain into the very hands of your all-loving God and watch God work, okay? Number one, we are absolutely secure in the midst of our struggle. Number two, no. Can we lose our salvation? No. Confidently wait under trial, knowing that nothing can separate us from our king's love. Confidently wait under trial, knowing that nothing can separate us from our king's love. And uh, so I love this. The reason I started each of our points out with the word no is because uh, as we start out verse 37, the first word is, can we be separated from God's love? Can we lose our salvation? No. It says in all these things, we are more than conquerors. All what things? That list we just read off. The whole of the list. Everything from the small to the great, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Please note that to be a conqueror, you need to face it. If our plan is to try to always get around it and never face it, that's not actually conquering. God does walk us through. And uh, man, he's got a plan for it. Psalm 23, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. It does not say, yea, though I walk around the valley. Yea, though I walk through. And God's got a plan and he knows what he's talking about along the way and he's got a plan for us to be more than conquerors. It says, through him who loved us, he loves you. With all he's got, he loves you. He has laid it on the line. He has poured it out. He has gone to the cross. He has risen from the dead. The father has sacrificed out. God loves you with all he's got. And man, I'm telling you, we have hope that all the incidentals of this broken world mean nothing. Our God has our salvation securely in hand. He says, for I am sure. Really make sure you read scripture well, right? What it does not say. I kind of have an inkling. I'm not really, really sure, but no, he says, I am sure. I am convinced I am absolutely certain, for I am sure, ready, here's the list, that neither death nor life, okay, when you think about it, death to life, there's really not much else in between, right? He's trying to say, in all of it, neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, when you start to think of all of the spiritual forces, angels, that's the good angels, rulers, that's the dark angels, he's like, all of the spiritual forces, and uh, nor things present, nor things to come. All of the events of our life, things present, things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth. Are you hearing it? He's like, let me keep saying to you the list of things that keeps showing you everything is included. Nothing can separate us from the love of Jesus Christ, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation. That's pretty thorough. 
right? In case you weren't quite catching the illusion he was giving, nor anything else in all of creation, ready, will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Hear me on this, man. Your God loves you. And as God does a work, it is amazing the life change that occurs and he carries it on all the way to eternity. And salvation, it includes, yes, our believing and our confessing, man's responsibility, but it is absolutely about God's sovereignty and investment and we are never separated from his love. Praise be to God. Okay, let me just say this one phrase. Once saved, always saved. Have you heard that phrase? And uh, I get that phrase. Like, we can't lose our salvation. Here's the thing. I get a little nervous about the phrase because we change it. Once saved, always saved. We change it to, once I said these words on my lips, so now nothing bad can happen eternally with me. And I would be very careful with that. When we start to change the word saved to mean something like, I threw a stick in a fire, I stood up one time, I prayed some words, and nothing ever changed in my life. I never gave God any control. I wanted my way. Dude, that's not saved. And to say, well, I did that long ago, so therefore, even though I'm in total, utter rebellion and nothing's happening in my life, I'm good. Everybody say, that's a terrible plan. Okay. And salvation, there is a lot to do with God changing us one degree of glory at a time as he works in our lives regularly. It isn't about being perfect, but it is about on a journey. And we'll talk more about that next week. Okay. But I want to make sure this is crystal clear. Man, you cannot lose your salvation. When God starts to truly do a work, there will truly be transformation along the way. If you are trying to find a fence line you can stand on where nothing has to happen in your life and you don't have to show God any respect or honor, but maybe you're still good, man, can you not be good with that fence line anymore, please? Stop with that game and start letting God be in charge of your life. Ready? And all of God's people said, huge deal. And uh, can we lose our salvation? Absolutely not. Can we falsely declare we're saved because we never actually put God in charge in our lives? Absolutely, yes. All right. And so let's be careful with that along the way. All right. God loves you. And he cares about you. And the work he begins in salvation is secure absolutely eternally secure, no matter what circumstances are going on, all right? We have a God who loves us, okay? That said, um, I'm just gonna gear shift for a little bit now, all right? And uh, family chat moment here, here we go. So I'm giving you a little update on where we're at as a family in a little bit of what's going on with my health, Okay, and so for those of you who've been around for a while, you know what I'm talking about. And for those of you who are newer here, you're like, I don't know what you mean by that. So let me just give a quick update. Back in 2013, uh, I was diagnosed with uh, a tumor. Uh, It was like a one-inch tumor pressing in on my pituitary, kind of a brain tumor-like thing. And uh, it was benign, but it was growing. And uh, so not metastasizing all over, but a benign growing tumor. It was pressing into my pituitary. Hormones were collapsing, losing eyesight. Uh, It was getting bad. 
And uh, so we ended up having an emergency surgery just to pull it back, resect it back. And uh, that worked for a little while. The pituitary popped back. I started getting some hormones back. Things were looking good. We were taking MRIs and the tumor started to grow again. And uh, so I had another surgery in 2015. So I've been through two of those brain surgeries, okay? And that was in 2015. And uh, in the midst of that, uh, there was a really good healing moment. They really went after trying to get as much of it out as possible. And uh, there was a little bit that was attached to the carotid and a few things left in some spots that were really hard to get at. And they knew they had to leave those, all right? That was back in 2015. Honestly, it's been a a great three years now. My energies are up. I've lost some weight. Uh, That's always a good thing, right? Got in shape again, and my hormones started coming back. I was no longer like a 98-year-old. I was kind of more my age with the hormones and the energy levels, and and, uh, just all things were kind of really going well. Honestly, at this point, uh, blood level's doing great. Energy level's doing great. Uh, We went in over the last couple weeks here and had an MRI, And uh, it turns out that the tumor is growing again, okay? So we're in a spot where it's now about a half inch in size. Uh, It's not yet hitting the pituitary, praise God for that. So I have like zero symptoms right now. I feel really good about things in life as I wake up, but I'm not aware that that's going on inside. And so at this point, the tumor is growing. It's been verified. We've talked with doctors several different times now. And where we're at at this point is it looks like it needs to be surgically addressed again. So here we go for take three, okay? And it looks like probably late April at this point. They were saying somewhere in that uh, really honestly could even take up to six to nine months, kind of in that range if we wanted to, but by then you could start seeing symptoms. Uh, Everybody say, that's a bad plan, (laughs) okay? So we're not going to do that. We're going to try to address this earlier than later, all right? So we're looking at late April at this point to go after things, And we're going to be trying to address this surgically. And then after that, it may even include something like radiation or not. We're not sure. We'll have to see how that all plays out. Um, That's where we are right now with our journey. Okay? So we are now adopting the battle cry again. My God can. My God will. And even if my God doesn't. Okay? Do me a favor. Say it with me and say it loud. My God can, my God will, and even if my God doesn't, we will worship him. And all of God's people said, all right, amen. All right, so um, hear me on this. Tribulation, distress, struggle, pain, Heartache, journey, never touches our security. And all of God's people said, nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing. And all of God's people said, hear me, men. We are secure because of the greatness of our God and his awesome love. Lean on him, trust in him, saved by him and on a journey that will last for eternity. You know, my wife and I were talking this weekend a little bit and uh, she, uh, she had a really good insight. She said, you know what's cool is when you think about not being able to be separated from the love of God and we head for eternity, 
there is a day where this is all done. This broken world, amen, man. This broken world is over. And hear me, man, when we get to heaven, Revelation 21 and 22, there will be no more tears. There will be no more sorrow. We will no longer say goodbye to ones we love. There will be no more pain. There will be no more heartache. God has it in hand. There will be no more sorrows. There will be no more brain tumors. Thanks be to God. We will be forever with our perfect king in perfection. Praise be to God. Amen. Amen, man. Eternity is in his hands. And he has that securely grasped onto. There is nothing that can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord.